Good morning. This is Jim Colburn of Commodity Research Group. I'm with Andy LeBeau, also of Commodity Research Group, and we're here to talk about energy markets. You can check out our website, commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our blogs, our podcasts, and, and our monthly reports. We'd like to thank our friends at EKT Interactive Oil and Gas Training for hosting this podcast. You can check out their podcasts and learning modules at ektinteractive.com. This podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer or endorse any particular trading system, strategy, or recommendation. We are not responsible for trading decisions taken by anyone, especially those not intended to listen. Information is not guaranteed to be accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivative. Today is November 9th, and it's Friday morning. Andy, um, I've said this many times before, but a lot has happened since we last uh, met for a podcast, which was a month ago. Um, Mark has gone straight down. Yeah, it's trading where a lot of people didn't really expect it to be trading here in uh you know, in the first week of November or into December, given all those uh, $100 calls that were bought. In, right. Uh, right? The, yes. the second and third quarter. I mean, we, we had talked about, sorry, go ahead, finish. No, I mean, people couldn't get enough of those $100 calls. Yeah, and, and, uh, and Brent as well, WTI and Brent. And I, and I think um, there was, uh, it was well reported. We, we had been talking for a year how the fourth quarter was going to be tight and how the rally up to 75 was just, it was so anticipated. And um, I th- you, you had a great call last month that, you know, you didn't trust, you didn't trust the rally. I mean, anything could happen in crude. You said, yeah, go to hundred, but uh, didn't think it was going to happen. And it was a really uh, uh, very, very good call. So why don't you just kind of, what stands out to you in this last month as to uh, the fundamental reasons uh, why this market is where it is now? Well, the the main uh, the main thing, Jim, is is supply. The OPEC production numbers have come in much higher than uh, what we had expected, with gains from the Saudis, from the UAE, from Iraq, Libya, even Libya and Nigeria are are, are producing much higher than expectations. Because OPEC basically was unrestrained, owing to the fact that uh, they were expecting Iranian production to be down. You know, some people were talking about uh, 1.8 to 2 million barrels a day out of the 2.6 million barrels a day that uh, Iran exports. Uh, we were even we were you know we've been working with 1.2, and even we were marking the, those numbers uh, up. To like one five one six, I think in the last podcast we, we have been talking about that, and certainly the granting of waivers by the Trump administration changed changed those views. So you had a, a, a you know an OPEC production uh, again up at thirty three million barrels a day by Reuters. Bloomberg has them up at thirty three point three million barrels a day, and I think if you look at OPEC production in May relative to where it is now and take out, just take out Iran and Venezuela, the other OPEC producers have increased production by a million and a half barrels a day from, from, you know, from May and June. Yeah. Whoa, whoa is right. And, um, you know, those are really big numbers. And 
what the EIA said, and I know we're going to talk about the short-term energy outlook. You know, we were talking about stock draws in the fourth quarter. I think I think they said they think October could have been a two million barrel a day build. I, I don't think it's that high, but it's going to be a build in October, and it looks like it's going to be a build in November, and it's probably going to be another build in December. So that you know, much anticipated stock draw for the fourth quarter is going to be a, a st- we're going to build stocks in the fourth quarter. It's it's an amazing uh, turnaround. So. Uh, basically, you know, we had talked about, well, the, the markets have talked about how there's a lot of uh, speculative uh, buying that's been liquidating through this move. And, and you're saying it's, it's much more than that. Oh, yeah, it's much more profound than that. I think a couple of weeks ago, some, you know, some of the bank analysts were, were saying, well, you know, it's because of this big liquidation of, uh, I think it's like 150,000 contracts, if not more. Uh, and, and if you take TI and Brent, it, it is much more than that combined. But it's that liquidation that caused the market to, to come off, the, the liquidation of, of speculative length. And that's the reason the market is soft. And no, you know, <laughs> that's not the reason the market is. So the market is soft on its own. Uh, because of supply. And, and I was just talking about OPEC production. You know, non-OPEC production, the Russians are up uh, four to 500,000 barrels a day from, uh, from May, May, June. And the U.S. is up maybe 500,000 barrels a day from, from May, June, May, June. So you've got non-OPEC production up, up as well. That was, the Russians weren't expected to be quite that high. U.S., nor was the U.S., you know our production numbers. Our production numbers have, um, yeah, the, the our production numbers are much higher than expectations too. So you have all this supply, this unexpected supply on the market, and you know you, you put that much that much unexpected supply on the market. What's going to happen? You know prices are going to go down if down. demand is if demand isn't there to meet it. Right. Well, it's you. You mentioned U.S. production. Can you uh, just Digging into the details, looks like um, the EIA revised some uh, production numbers in August, and um, and that led to uh, their Tuesday's short-term energy outlook to uh, bump up uh, uh, production. Can you you want to just talk about? Yeah. What? Oh my. Oh my goodness. I mean, there was a uh, massive revision to the. I think it was the the August production numbers by the, um, in the Petroleum Supply Monthly, which comes out at the end, end, of, the, uh, end of the month. It was up like almost 400,000 barrel a day upward revision in US, in U.S. production. Now, what happens after that with their model, they then revise upward the rest of the quarter and the rest of next year. The so, baseline, yeah. Yeah, the baseline. So they, they've revised upward production by, um, you know, three, 350 to 400,000 barrels a day. So where we thought, say, let, let's look at November, you know, we thought that was going to be their previous expectation was like 11.2. It's now 11.6 million barrels a day. Uh, similar to December, I think it was 11.3. It's now 11.66. So, you know, the, those are big numbers, Jim, you know, 400,000 barrels a day. Um, you know, those are big. They may not proved to be accurate, but, you know, the August number wasn't accurate with the big upward revision. So, um, you know, again, it's another, it's another bearish factor. Yeah. Uh, and can you, um, can you talk about, since we're 
in the North North America. You just mentioned Canadian production, and then right, um, right, another one, right. They revised up Canadian production for this year by three hundred thousand barrels a day. For the, talk, yeah, for, yeah, for the year. I said, yeah. um, you know, I, I we're talking about some huge, you know, these are huge numbers. You know, these aren't these aren't like oh, you know, a hundred thousand here, a hundred thousand there. And Jim, you know, the the one thing, the other thing is. Okay, so we just talked about North American production, at least U.S. and Canada, up 700,000 barrels a day, okay? Yeah. With all the hand-wringing about the growth and demand being revised, what's the number they're going to revise it downward by? 200, 300? You know, the the, uh, IEA just revised revise it down by 110,000 barrels a day for next year. Maybe they'll revise it down another 100,000 barrels a day. We're right. talking about 700,000 barrels a day here right. of, of North <laughs> American production. Yeah, plus all the OPEC and not and you know, Eastern and East, Russian production. Well, we, no wonder we, the market's in a tailspin. Um, can we just talk, before we leave uh, U.S. production, can you talk about, um, is it getting to market? I mean, there's talk about uh, pipeline constraint constraints in um, in the Permian area, and what's the situation there now? Uh, well, it, it's getting is it getting to market? Well, it's getting to where the storage is, that's for sure, because it's going to Cushing. Okay. Um, you know, Cushing stocks. There's a new pipeline, uh, the the Sunrise Pipeline, that um, an expansion of the Sunrise Pipeline from the Permian Basin up into uh, up into Cushing. And it was supposed to, I think it was 200 a day was what the what uh, planes the operator was looking for. And it, it's running at like 330 to 350 a day. Um, and that, that has narrowed in the uh, Midland to Cushing differentials. You, you know, we talked about that a lot this year. Right. How, uh, Permian production was stranded and uh, it was like 17 or $18 under the price of Cushing. Um, and that, that differential is narrowed into... I think right now it's it's only four fifty four dollars and fifty cents cheaper. Um, so you know that that's going to storage, and you know what's happened. If you look at the curve, you know the curve is has collapsed. You know the contango is really is re, in WTI and now in Brent uh, is really beginning to uh, is really beginning to widen out uh, based on that. Um, you know based on, on Cushing. Building and it has built, you know, right. built and millions it, of barrels over the last, you know, over the last um, few weeks. It, it, part of that is we had a uh, really strong uh, turnaround uh, season in the mid continent as well, right? Oh yeah, pad so, two, pad two runs were down like a million barrels a day. You know that big whiting, the, the big whiting plant in Chicago went was down, and um, you know BP whiting, so. Yeah, you know, so right, runs were down, and it'll, it allowed Cushing to build up as, as well as the, this, these pipeline barrels going going in there. So Contango is is widening out. So do you expect that to once these refineries come back, these expect it to be more balanced, or is it is it going to? Yeah, be, it should be. Pad two should should be more balanced, but you know I think this still could be a net. Cushing build. The other thing that I know we've talked about, Jim, in the past few um, podcasts is that the the EIA with this big production increases, they, they now have crude, they now have U.S. crude stocks 
which are um, currently at 432 million barrels. They have crude stocks building by April to by April May next year of, to 481 million barrels. So they think from now into May, this is going to be like a 50 million barrel build in the U.S. Mm. That's not yep. bullish either. No, we, we yeah. The last podcast we had talked about tightness in the fourth quarter, but uh, bills in the first first half of next year. Right, and, and um, that's, that's right. The EIA has a really nice chart, look, you know, showing their uh, estimates for supply and demand, and then they show they stock bills at the bottom, and um, those like you, like you mentioned, it, now it's flipped. It's it's a build in the fourth quarter and a bigger build in the in the first half. So uh, right, I mean, the first half looks gruesome. <laughs> it really looks. It doesn't look good at all. Not only in the U.S., but you know, if, these, if you know, I'm assuming that OPEC is going to produce like, um, you know, they're at 30, let's say they're at 33. So we're going to lose another half million to 600 from Iran and maybe another two from uh, Venezuela, 200. So, you know, let's say OPEC production's around 32.5, right? Yeah. You know, just ballpark, 32.5 million barrels a day. There's a number that we talk about, I, we've talked about in these podcasts, Jim, called the call on OPEC crude. Yep. And it's like a real handy number. You know, I was thinking about it. The call on OPEC crude, you t- it's like the one number that you could use similar to like wins above replacement value or yes. that player efficiency rating, right. you know, where you try to get like one number. That yes. That sort of tells you, you know, is the market short? Is it long? You know, and yes. uh, I, I think call it OPEC crude could be that one, you know, that one right. big number, right? Barrels above replacement. No. Yeah, we'll, barrels we'll, above we'll, replacement, right? We'll what work is it on that. Take? What is it going to take, you know, for us to like draw stocks or build stocks? But anyway, it, it looks like in the first half, you know, using like some of the agencies. Some of some of the agency numbers, you know, the the OPEC agency, IEA and EIA, you know, it looks like the first half call is thirty one and a half million barrels a day, mm. which means that means anything over that, we're going to build stocks. So if OPEC's at like thirty two five, you know, there could be a million barrels a day surplus. Now. You know, we're not the only ones looking at, at uh, the the winds above replacement number. Yeah. They yeah. call it OPEC crude. That's just why, you know, the Saudis and the Russians are saying, you know, we're going to have to reduce production. Yeah, you go first. Yeah, you go first. Right, right. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Um, before we get in, into that, let's can we just back up a little bit and talk about um, the uh, the sanctions are are temporary, right? Right, they right. Can be, Slap back on in what six months or so? Yeah, they're 180 days. 180 days. So, right. um, uh, Chinese buying of crude has, has been up recently. And, um, can you talk about that? Is it, you know, you we always try to figure out is it, is it, uh, demand growth? Or are they, they buying, is it anticipatory, uh, purchases? What, what, what's going on with China? I, I think that, I think it is part of both. You know, some of that, a lot of the buying has been by the 
um, smaller refiners, the so-called teapot refiners, uh, who are going to have um, quotas coming at the at the beginning of the year. So they're trying to get you know new new uh, quotas, and so they're trying to get it in under the wire. Uh, part of it is in in, in anticipation of the. Uh, you know, the Iranian sanctions, there was a lot of uncertainty as to or were they going to get a waiver or not, which they, you know, China did get a waiver, less than what they had been buying. And part of it is is demand. You know, I think diesel demand is, is uh, pretty is strong in, in China. The gasoline demand's okay. So I think, it, I think it's uh, a little of both on uh, on Chinese demand. It's probably a little bit better than what the, the market thinks, but it's not. Actually, the IEA uh, thinks this year is going to be pretty strong for Chinese demand. Um, next year, not not as much. Yeah, the, um, just to be clear, the IEA comes out with their monthly next Wednesday, November fourteenth, um, and that that gets a, a lot of press in the in the world, uh, oil world, and um, the EIA not so much. I mean, it's sometimes it just slips by, and people. You know, I mean, we look at it, but um, it, it goes by. And OPEC is sometimes gets. It's, it's pretty well covered too. That's Tuesday, November thirteenth. That comes out. As I mentioned, uh, the U.S. DOE's Energy Information Agency, we call the EIA, came out this past Tuesday. So that's uh, where uh, a lot of those revisions um, in uh, estimates that Andy has already talked about came from. Um, let's. Uh, why don't we move on to the uh, tale of two products? Unless you. That, I mean, we have, well, look, yeah, I guess, yeah, let's talk about the tale of two products. Gasoline and, and distillates, I'd say. Right. You could, we could look at, at one. The, uh, the first one is, is gasoline, which, you know, looks, it, we've talked about it a lot of this year, how gasoline really didn't look, what, what didn't look good. You know, it's really, and now it, globally, it continues to look horrendous, really. Um, you know, refiners, you know, the distil- and the reason is because of diesel, you know, diesel margins globally are really strong, uh, diesel demand globally owing to the, owing to the economy. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about the shipping change in specs throughout next year. We don't need to talk about it now, but it will mean that demand for diesel is going to be stronger in uh, 2019 and especially in 2020, but diesel demand's strong. It still pays to run, you know, it's carrying the whole margin. It's still, it still pays to run crude. So demands are pretty good for diesel. And what does it mean? You make too much gasoline. And gasoline cracks, you know, globally are, are soft. I mean, you look at the U.S. crack, you know, just is it actually our Bob to Brent is, is like negative $3. So, um, you know. That's not obviously. That's that's not good. And yeah, I don't really see unless you know, I, I, unless the yields continue to go for diesel, you know, unless gasoline is made, you know, it, it's hard to see things clearing up all, all that much. Well, um, Andy, when I was uh, got into this business many years ago as a grains analyst, and if wheat prices got too low relative to corn, you could start seeing uh, more wheat used as uh, animal feed. I wonder if there's uh, something similar in uh, refinery economics where, uh, I guess, do you get some more sour barrels uh, to yield higher distillates? Is that what you're saying? When you Look, speak? you're going to do everything. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're going to do everything you possibly can 
you know, you'll run anything through your refinery you possibly can to get more diesel out of it. But and, we're, you know, we're, uh, but we're not, the, you know, we're not there because first of all, demand for gasoline is not, you know, it's, it's plateaued here in the, here in the U S right. Nothing to write home about maybe these lower. And, and unfortunately the consumers have yet to see, has, has yet to see big relief at the pumps. They're about to, I mean, pump prices are about to collapse. I'm waiting. Uh, yeah. I think I'm, we're all waiting. As soon as running it start, on starts moving, yeah, <laughs> as soon as this starts moving through the distribution, you know, these price cuts start moving through the distribution network. You know, I think you'll see pump prices really come off hard uh, over the next, over the next couple of weeks, which, you know, maybe that'll spur, spur demand somewhat. Maybe. Well, I'll give you my my quick uh, anecdotal evidence. I just did a uh, somewhat cross-country trip from New York to Austin and back, and I didn't take the same route back and forth. But there are a lot of trucks on the road. I mean, it's just unbelievable how many. I mean, listen, I've I've, I've never done this before, but I I couldn't believe how many, you know, so the trucks are moving. Um, The other observation is uh, once I got back home to, uh, I'd say, North, you start hitting northern New Jersey. Um, the roads are really crappy. New York, New Jersey roads is like, it's like you, you're driving, you know, driving through uh, you know, the third world or something. And even those roads are better thanks to China, you know. But uh, it's it's very clear that um, we just don't spend money on roads. I mean, I know the weather's different, but still. Anyway, that's well, trucking. Yeah. I mean, that's another reason diesel demand is up. Uh, you know, it's consistently been up, been up over 200,000 barrels a day this year in the U.S. versus last year. And, you know, a lot of that has been uh, trucking and mining and manufacturing, you know, production. Those trends, I don't think they're going to change. Um, I think there's a short, a big shortage of truck of like drivers. Uh, yeah. You know, that's a big problem. Yes. So moving along here, uh, we tend to, last uh, month, we were hearing all the bullish reasons why the market was going to go higher. Now we hear uh, all the bearish reasons of why the market is where it is and maybe will continue to go lower. What's, um, what do you, what's, out there, what's, what's out there that could be bullish? Well, there's still, there's, there's plenty, this this is oil, right, Jim? I yeah, mean, course. you know, there's always, there's always something. I'm lobbing this really, one up there for you. Right. And I think we, you know, we know, first of all, spare capacity, uh, global spare capacity is really tight. And, uh, you know, maybe at most it's a million and a half barrels a day. So, you know, if something goes wrong, you know, Libya has been cranking it out and Nigeria has been cranking it out. Certainly something can go wrong with those, with those producers. Uh, there's a, this weekend, uh, OPEC and non-OPEC producers are going to meet and obviously they'll be talking about, uh, production cuts. You know, it looks to me like the market's going to need half a million to 700,000 barrels a day of, of cuts. So, you know, we'll see how, if Russia can, can get their producers to, to agree to a cut, you know, they were very reluctant to cut, uh, last, last, for the last deal which was only in 2016, actually. It seems like it was, it seems like it was like years ago, right? When they yeah. died, I mean, many years ago when they right. did that, that production cut deal. So, you know, and, and we do have this, you know, the, we'll see what happens with, with Iran and the sanctions and waivers, you know, where, where that, you know, where that 
leads us and, and certainly what Iran is, is going to do, you know, with their nuclear program and the JCPOA, you know, that, that's certainly out there. So, you know, I think the prospects of a, of a production cut, you know, could, could help to keep the market from completely giving, completely giving way here. And, uh, you know, maybe we find, find some support depending on, on the numbers. But I, I know a lot of traders are going to be watching what the, you know, where the Russians are. I think there was a meeting with the producers and, and Novak, their uh, oil minister. I'm not sure they talked about production cuts, or at least it wasn't. You know, it wasn't reported, but uh, you know, the the uh, those producers were not at all happy with um, you know with the, with the cuts last time. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. And and uh, you know, and then Jim, there's all talk about Saudis leaving leaving OPEC. I don't, I don't know if that's going to be bullish or bearish or non-factor, but um, yeah, we I mean we've talked about that in the past. If if uh, Saudi Aramco goes public. You know, how would you run that company? Would you run it as, you know, a member of OPEC using the, you know, the government policy the way it's always been run? Or would you run it like a, you know, profit maximizing company, which may lead you to just produce as much as you can, as long as it's profitable, right? Right. And I I think the Russians are kind of in that mindset. They look at the U.S. and the U.S. says just, hey, if if you can make money, produce, right? And, And I think that's the way they want to look at it, too. So. You know, I'm not optimistic that going forward, OPEC comes up with uh, uh, some kind of uh, a new new quota. But um, you know, I've been wrong about OPEC policy in the past. Well, you know, OPEC has come down to basically the Saudis and the Persian Gulf producers, and um, you know, because Nigeria, they could come up with a new. You know, I think any any production regime, cut regime, is just Saudi. Right. At this point, because UAE, uh, Iraq has, has really increased production significantly since uh, since May, and Kuwait and UAE have, have uh, also increased production. And there's probably more to go from Kuwait, and maybe a little bit more to go from UAE, and more to go from Iraq for for 2019. So really need some big demand to come to come through. And we and the other bullish factor, obviously, the winter is right. So you know, if we get a really uh, frigid winter, that that could that could also help to lend some support to the to the market. But you know, they're talking about El, an El, El Nino winter, which is um, war- usually warmer than normal in the in, in the Northeast. Yeah, you see uh, natural gas uh, reacting. I guess the um, the warm late summer uh, caused uh, less. Uh, less natural gas to go into storage. And um, I guess we had, what do we have some cooler weather recently caused it to pop up and yeah, we get another, we get a cold, a cold uh, winter. That thing will, uh, will blast again. Right. Then we have, yeah, natural gas will. And so obviously, little- the, obviously the fundamentals pad one, at least here, pad one's really low for diesel, for diesel stocks. So um you know, for, for, so, you know, cold winter and we're, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. So that's uh, bullish. You know, diesel's yeah, yeah. So is, it enough, is yeah. it enough to carry the load? Yeah. Not, uh, yeah. That's the, remains to be seen. So uh, given the sharp move down, what was it 10 days in a row we've been down? Something yeah. Like I mean, we've 
and uh yeah, brent brent's under got under 70 and you know ti in the you know under 60 and, uh, and you know in the in the press is talking about a a bear market is a 20% decline, which, as you know, is one of my pet peeves. It drives me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I, if I buy a contract and it goes down after I buy it, it, to me, it's in a bear market. I don't need the 20% move. You know, you start to feel it already. But anyway, um, it's a big move down. Um, right. So could, do you want to venture, say, over the next, uh, let's just do to our next podcast. What do you, what do you think? Because the market's already... I think in our in our monthly, you thought prices might come down some more, and it's already done that. So right, I thought I thought they would come down maybe to the mid sixties, and right. it, it did. I mean, but it's gone now; it's below sixty. So you know, I, I, I do I do think OPEC is going to. I do think the Saudis are going to cut production, but maybe modestly. Um, you know, it's not it's not going to be enough to uh, keep the a surplus on the market, but it may be enough to, to, you know, put the brakes on the market. You know, could we make, I think the old lows like 58, could we, could we test it? Well, we're, we're close, you know, yeah, maybe we make, good. maybe we make a new low and then, you know, sort of trade sideways, you know, the, the market is oversold and then you could get, you know, you could get a good rally. So may, maybe the range is something like, 57 to 63 i don't know something like that I, i'm i'm not you know i think well, that, that that that's possible the uh i i mentioned uh i guess it was over about a week ago in our in our blog that um like five thousand of the um this uh, december 2019 hundred dollar calls were were sold and the, the settlement price that day was 26 cents so so um that's a i don't know why i mean listen I, who knows what the reason maybe they were rolling down but um it reduced open interest by a similar amount so somebody had been somebody had given up i think as that's the way i was interpreting it you never know unless you actually talk to the person that does it what their motivations are but um i think someone has given up on that on uh, those calls but the, i think in options the, the main thing is we're, we've seen a vol go over uh, 30% now i i track the second year buy option that the money done it since these things start trading and um you know we were we were down we got do we get down to below 19 percent in the summertime I, it's i have to go back i've actually gone down to 17 percent, and now we're above above 30 and um i think about 30 to 33 is the long-term average but um and, and the other piece of that is that the tra- uh uh it t- vols tend to be correlated um or, or negatively negatively correlated with the price, so price comes down, vols go up. So that's 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 happening. It's not happening. It's not blowing out like uh, late 2016. I think we got up to 50, 60 percent. So it's so it's not crazy, but it is. Uh, we're just showing a bid in there, so we'll watch that too. If you know, I'm thinking. I'm not sure. You know, it's tough. <laughs> You're at a point where. You don't want to really buy a, a falling knife. No, you don't. You know, we've seen yes. this is oil, and we've seen moves. You know, moves just you know a couple of years ago went from like you know went from a hundred to under thirty. Right. Um, so you don't want to. I, I'm not even. I'm not sure how you would play this. You know, maybe options. Well, yes, you know, I, think, I guess you'd have to play it with options. Yeah, I think if you're if you're bullish here, you probably. If you, and, and you're afraid to buy it because there's no. Look, you look at the chart. There's no bottom 
indicated in this in this action, you, you'd buy a call spread. So yeah. it's limited risk. And um, also, if the market does turn around, um, vols probably go down. So you you know you you're not totally cushioned against that, but a little bit. And um, I think that's the way you would play that. I think it's the way you have to play it. And I, I don't, think. Yep. Sorry. You know, hopefully, if you're if you're a producer, you know, you you hedged where you could. You know, the, the, the market gave you plenty of time, gave you an opportunity to. Yeah, but to Andy, hedge, you, but when we were to, when we were up around seventy five bucks. I mean, people were. Yeah, they were looking for a hundred. Yeah, so a lot of hedgers yeah, hedgers missed it. it. Right. They yeah. Missed. And every everything you read, everything you see is bullish. That's why, like I said, last month we were trying to figure out, okay, what's what's how do you make the bearish case? But it's always out there, you know. Like you said, you made a couple of comments of uh, why this market could go back up. So, anything else you want to add? You want to talk about uh, Venezuela? Uh, African uh, rigs are soaring. <laughs> the African rigs are soaring. They yeah, found, there's a there's a, they found. Uh, you know, in Uganda, they've they've uh, they're going to start developing. They're starting developing reserve in, uh, in the their, Congo their reserves in the Congo. Yeah, offshore but, uh, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but you, yeah, the problem with Africa is that, like Uganda. It's taken them ten years to they they found you know significant reserves ten years ago. Yes, and just now getting it together to to maybe start drilling. You know, and, and producing after they built this refinery. So. Or they're they're trying they they want to build the refinery first and then and then drill the reserves. Uh, I'm saying it's you know we'll be talking about that or not talking about that for for a while. But yeah. you know I, I think it's it's going to be a very you know we we still Jim next month we'll start off. You'll ask me. There's been a lot going on. I know. So I, know. I think we've got a lot to a, a lot to watch and. Um, you know, uh, I just want to wrap wrap things up with a um, uh, advertisement for our monthly report, yes. uh, which you know you, you get um, not only the the soil, uh, not only the energy and natural gas, but Ed Meir writes uh, an unbelievable uh, report on the financials and also the the metals markets and and the global macro. Ed is is always like ranked number one amongst uh, metals analysts, and he, he does a great job in a concise way. So um, you can, you can uh, get a hold of us through our website, which is um, commodityresearchgroup.com. You can get a hold of me, A Lebo, A L E B O W, at uh, commodityresearchgroup.com. And, uh, you know, we'll be happy to send you uh, a copy of our uh, monthly report, you know, but free, obviously, to, to start. So uh, yeah, I think you'd enjoy reading that. Terrific. Okay. This is uh, Jim Colburn, Andy LeBeau, commodityresearchgroup.com. We'll see you next month. Thank you.